In this episode, Long Ding, VP of Finance at Ada, describes the coming age of finance automation, how to build effective distributed teams, and the power of mentorship for aspiring CFOs. Hi, I'm Ross, and this is the CFO Playbook. Each week, you'll get insights from world-class financial leaders to help you grow your company, yourself, and face the challenges required of today's CFO. Long, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. I'd love to start by understanding your your path to where you are now at VP of Finance at Ada. So you are another CFO who has come from the investment community, started off as an investor and then moved into becoming more of an operator and building a company. Can you talk a little bit about that decision to move from investing into building a scale up and what motivated you? I started my career as part of a research team in an incubator in Ottawa, where we have startup in the community to understand about the market, the competition and, and raise money. And then later in, you know, a couple of years later, I joined an early stage, you know, pre-seed B2B VC firm where we invested in B2B SaaS company in North America. During the time, met a lot of great entrepreneurs, you know, be with, you know, the investment team investing in a lot of great company. But the missing piece for me that I'm, I was overlooked for at the time is I want to build something. I want to have the operating experience. So fortunately, I got a friend who also be part of the startup ecosystem who I've worked with in the past introduced me to Ada at the time. Ada was a, a seed company. We are about to raise our Series A at the time. We have a small team at the time of 30 people. And I was very fortunate to join the team at that time. Right after three years, now we are a 350 people team, distributed team across eight different countries. And we just raised a multiple round funding from our Series B led by Excel. And our most recent funding round was our Series C led by Spark Capital and Tiger Global Management with participation from Best Demo Venture, our existing investor, and First Mark, as well as Excel, uh, in May this year. So the main motivation for me to make the career move is really, hey, I want to have that you know, operating experience. I want to build something. And then later come back into investment so that now I have the experience so that I can actually have other company to grow into the same you know, stage. So that was the main motivation. When you were making that decision, so you want you knew you wanted to build something yourself, and then the opportunity with Ada came along. It, it was very early, as you describe it. You know, thirty people, seed stage. How did you know this was the right opportunity for you? Because I'm sure there would have been many companies that you could possibly have joined, and, and as an investor, you had visibility to those. So, what convinced you about Ada? The reason why I fell in love with the company, I, I did a lot of research. So, number one, is this a company? is actually solving a, a real business problem. And the short answer is yes. What it does do is we provide automation for B2B or B2C company like Facebook, like Zoom, like Square or Squarespace, for example. The problem with businesses is as they grow, they talk to their customer less because the cost of talking to a customer and open up on the channel is really costly. And the traditional way of people to scale customer support is really to a human first approach where you have more customer, you actually have to hire more, you know, customer support team, for example, in, a, in service of scaling and talking to the customer. And, and now all this business is scaling really quickly and they scare of opening up more channel to talk to their customer. And for us, we feel like that a very costly mistake because as you grow, your customer actually demand more 
you know, love and more attention from you. So ADA actually allows customer uh, businesses to automate up to 80% of the brand interaction with the customer. And then on top of that, we now have them transform a cost center into a revenue center for them by allowing businesses, you know, to automate upsell and, and cross-sell across a customer base. When I look at ADA, wow, we are, we are solving a real business problem because no one today actually want to wait three, four hours on, on the call, right? And at the same time, we also allow the agent from this company to have a much better work experience because in the past, they have to repeat themselves 80% of the time on frequently asked questions. Now they only focus solely on missing critical tasks. For example, how can I you know, retain this customer? How can I upsell this customer? How can I make this customer experience much better experience versus you know, come back and repeat myself on how to reset the password or you know, find out where the order is. And for the business, it's like, wow, I can save a lot of cost and then still be able to open up many more channels for our customer. At the same time, now I'll be able to generate more revenue with ADA. So looking at, wow, this is a really cool solution. The second piece is it's really important to have a, a great team and great country. So I still remember the first day walk into the office, I feel the welcoming atmosphere from every single team member. No one would really know who I was at the time. So I was just, you know, someone who walked into the office for an interview and got a really warm welcome from the team. So I, I immediately feel like this is a team and, and the group of people, special people that I want to be with in the long term. So, and on top of the culture is, hey, they actually, you know, give me the opportunity to come in here with them in the early day to build this thing. So, yeah, that tweeting combined allowed me to make the decision to make the move. That leads then to you taking on that role to build finance from the ground up and, and from scratch. How did you approach that going from presumably being the, the only person in finance to now being leader of finance for a company that's closed, you know, I think re your recent funding was not far off, like $200 million. And you've got, as you said, 250 people. So what was that journey like building finance from scratch? Yeah, I think, again, even as of today, I'm still learning on the go. For me, it's really important to understand and be aware of what the company needs at different stage of their life cycle. Before I joined ADA, we outsourced finance to you know, virtual CFO and virtual controller. And that's a very common model for early stage startups but they don't have like dedicated resource for finance. So we have someone to come in once a week to keep our book. But then we quickly realized when we grow from 10 people to 30 people, the demand and the complexity of the task and, and the CEO needs someone to actually be there in-house and then and work with, with him in terms of you know, modeling and forecasting and having understand business metric. And that, is, that was something liking. So when I joined ADA, by the way, I'm not an accountant by training. When I tried it out, that was the first time I learned how to close the month, how, how to close a book. I run all these operations on my own from even running account receivable, account payable, payroll for the company. Everything, that was my first experience. My strength is on the finance side, mooring side, and forward-looking and fundraising. So I, I, I was very upfront with the CEO and the team at the time. Hey, this is not my strength. I can come into the seat and learn how to do that. And I can automate all these tasks for us. Where I can, you know, provide the most value is how we think about setting up metric because I've been there with the VC firm when we invest in B2B SaaS company. I know what are the key metrics for us to evaluate and look at to measure performance, what are the right goal for us to set in order to achieve and go faster. And then when I come in, I quickly, at the beginning, it's like one person tried to do a little bit of everything, but quickly I realized it's not about what the company needs at that point in time. 
we need to think two years ahead and see, hey, what the company actually needs two years from now and start building the infrastructure and the team. So it's all about building the people, system and processes in service of allowing the company to grow two years from now. So I quickly come in, you know, we upgrade our finance stack from only mid market software into more, you know, enterprise proven software like ERP movement from zero to NetSuite. And then we build out specialized finance functions. So now I have team member who responsible for different finance functions. For example, we have an AP manager, AI manager, pay, payroll manager, tech manager. And then on top of that, we are also looking to bring in legal in-house and you know build our FP&A team. So really we get to a stage where it's not a person try to do a little bit of everything, but how we can actually build a team and infrastructure where people can make decisions and ensure day-to-day business operation without any disruption. So imagine if any team member on vacation tomorrow or no longer, you know, for any reason cannot show up to work, we always have a backup plan and someone who actually has the knowledge about that function and allow the business to continue to operate without dependency on a single person. That is how I'm thinking about, constantly thinking about what the business needs two years from now and let's build the team and the infrastructure today in service of a longer term goal. Within that, that answer and, and you describe a real focus and a passion for automation and infrastructure. And of course, Ada is also focused on automation and as part of your core proposition. But that seems to be a real tenant of your approach and how you're building the team. Is that correct? Very interesting. These are topics that I'm very passionate about. So the reason is in the B2B software place, most of the time, people focus on building sales automation, marketing automation, you know, engineering automation on this amazing company. But the GNA or finance automation software stack has something lacking behind. My prediction is within this year, already a lot of amazing startups working on solving this problem for us, for the COO, CFO office. But really, the way I think about you know, my team and how we build software is, hey, we need to move away from data entry and then unlocking our time to actually reviewing information and providing more value and guidance to the business and be a growth partner with our other department instead of, you know, still have to manually, you know, doing all these tasks, anything we can automate, any system we can actually integrate and seamlessly pull and push information around them, we should always bring it up and feel, implement something new to, with that goal in mind. So the way we think about implementing system, it has to satisfy three things. This is a reliable system. In other words, it has to provide accurate information. This is a system that allows to scale into you know, a 100 million CRR com- company or 1,000 employee from this stage. And the third one is we need to build system with automation in mind. On this system, eventually have to work as a team or in other words, you know, integrate with each other and allow seamless integration among different finance system and other business system. Otherwise, eventually, if we automate really well in one function of the business and when it start talking to or connecting with other systems, we have to manually do the work, then it still doesn't work. So we also always build a thing with other consideration and bring in other party or other team member or deep department related to this piece of software to evaluate a part of the process to ensure that it's future proof us from a single point of bottleneck in the future. So in service of leveraging automation to make our life easier. And when you talk about the automation, and you mentioned something that I think is a very interesting topic, which is people's natural inclination is to focus on sales and marketing automation because it's well known. And and also it, you can tangibly connect that to typically the top line, which helps. But with CFO, the finance automation, it's been lagging behind historically, but actually there's a sense that that's changing. 
you mentioned there are many companies out there, but of those companies and, and the problems that they're trying to solve, which are the ones that you use today or actually you think are the have, have the potential to have the greatest impact for you at ADA? In terms of, for example, managing NAND's headcount span, a new solution is popping up in the market right now that I'm a big fan of called Airbase. What they do is they actually, uh, I think the only platform right now in the meat market who actually provide three different solution in one. So right now for any non-span headcount, most of the company using, you know, for expand management, they use something like an expensive file, Nexonia, for example. And then in terms of, you know, AP systems, they use something like Tipanti, Pluto, in order to pay out the vendor, right? And then on, in terms of credit card solution, there are tons of, you know, virtual credit card solution or traditional credit card solution for the team to use, let's say Visa card from RBC or, you know, Breaks, for example, the tons of them. And the problem, only software doing amazing work, by the way, like they, they get the stuff done for us. But the challenge is, if I'm a manager now, I have to have to log into three different systems in order to approve someone and then submit my expand in a different system. And then it's make, it takes forever for our finance team to actually reconcile this contraction, transaction and then how to actually you know, close our book faster just because we need to go to a you know, thousand transactions in three different systems. And the way people code the information is couched you know, differently. So Airbay, for example, is the platform that actually has these three solutions combined into one. And you know, now it provides a better employee experience. A person have one login, have visibility into you know approving my direct report, submitting my report, you know, using my credit card, and then it's learned from each other. For example, you know, when you quote an item, or for example, you record an item in the part now, it's learned through across two other three, you know, modules, and then allowing you know us to actually close our expand and then close the book much faster. So that is one of the so a piece of software I love, which not only allow to close the book faster, but allow us to have better employee experience, as example. Or in terms of ERP, again, this is like really long shot, but most company right now is using NetSuite as they grow. And the problem with, with NetSuite is it's an enterprise software. And, and from time to time, it's like a lot of, you know, Automation, like a QuickBook or a Zero, in my opinion, they actually have better integration and automation in terms of allowing people to, you know, connect multiple pieces and then and then close up faster and close the book faster. But there are startup that we also work with. It's called Puzzle, and it is like a you know a very early days, early days startup. But they have a great philosophy. Instead of the on the ERP in this in this current world, it's all about how we you know provide. We input data into the system and then we close the book. They change, they change this philosophy into how we actually in real time ingest on this, connect with multiple data sources, let's say Shopify or Stripe in real time, ingest on the information in real time and provide real time PNA for CEO or for CFO to make decision in real time. So it's just a chain, a mindset chain from data entry into ingesting data in real time and providing, you know, insight for people to make decisions in real time. So the in real time piece is something that I think eventually we can get to. Because right now, you know, a lot of companies close the book in 10 days, close the book in 15 days, close the book in six days. How can you actually make strategic change in real time with the information that you don't even have within the month, right? So so those things, I think eventually we can get there. It just need to build a modern software stack on top of the traditional one in service of that goal. Yeah, and, and I think long in that sense, there are many that are going that way, but it's still unconventional, your focus on automation and systems. Do you think that that 
will become the new normal for finance leaders and finance teams in the future? Yes, it's it's not happen tomorrow because I I know you know from mutual company they still need to follow guidance they still need to follow control and and practices. But I think in five years when all these you know startup or early stage companies start kind of moving into the enterprise and then actually become a new standard, just I think within the next three to five years that will be the new standard for modern finance teams and and get away from all these traditional styles. The other part that you've mentioned, and, and the, the reason that this automation is so powerful is because it empowers your team to do more focus on higher value activities. And of course, it, it increases satisfaction as well. One of the things you've mentioned to us in the past is the importance of building a, a world-class finance team. So given that you've built the team from scratch at ADA, how have you approached that that challenge of building a world-class team? When we build teams, it's all about treating people and we have the right people with the expertise we need in place it's all about one the system we use and the processes we use is it like you know the way when i think about building team is you know how we can build a system and decision making framework where each of the team member now can actually make decision on their own without be you know then the manager or leader become a bottleneck for them and for me when i when we meet with the team and and we always align the team on hey this is our decision making framework Company first, team second, and as you know, if we constantly you know make decision at the best interest of the company and best interest of the team, it's my job and the company job to actually recognize your contribution and reward you accordingly. So people don't have to worry about you know their personal well-being because that is the company job to actually treat the employees really well. So that they now you know only have to focus on how we can actually improve processes and system. And you know, improve themselves, you know, and continue to thrive in their role. So really, the way I think about building a team, of course, we have to set up clear benchmark and then constantly, you know, work together on learning what are the best practices, what are the key benchmark for finance team in the market. But really, it's all about allowing decision making decision to be made independently at the best interest of the company at any point in time. You mentioned earlier on that you're a distributed team, eight different countries. Does that apply to the finance team as well? Do you have a team that's distributed across many locations? Just so we have some team member, you know, in the West Coast of Canada, you know, in, in Vancouver, we have a team member in Victoria Islands. And then still majority of our team right now is still around, you know, the, the greater Toronto area. But really, you know, no one actually show up in an office anymore because we no longer have any offices. So for us, it's, it, you know, just we have a distributed teams. And, you know, I always encourage the team, hey, when you visit a city where there are team member, go meet them, like, you know, see the team. However, this is a, a really a topic that, you know, at ADA, we want to be very thoughtful about in terms of thinking about building a company digitally. So we just launched, you know, a policy called Digital Bill of Rights. What does this mean? This means regardless of your location, you have equal chance of getting promotion. You have equal chance of providing values and contributing to the team regardless of where, where you are. Because I think in today's world, many people, when they join a, a remote company, people may fear, hey, if I'm not close to my manager, when, when I still have equal chance of getting promotion. That's why we make a very clear decision at the leadership level that, hey, any strategy or critical decision for the company have to be made digitally, where we have everybody in the room, in, in the virtual room to contribute to that decision. If we ever go to meet the member apply it have to be on a social event or it have to be social it's not allowed to be related to work 
The reason why we want to do that is we want to be mindful of the exact reason, hey, we want to make sure people feel equal and treated equally regardless of their location. That is such a critical, critical decision because I've seen firsthand, say, when I was at Dropbox, we we had a distributed team. We had offices and and people were largely based in offices, but they were still very distributed. So you had hubs, Dublin and Europe, and you had the the headquarters in San Francisco. But what you would often see is there would sometimes be a, a mind share, a kind of slight bias, not always an aware one, to the people who were closest to you, who you saw at lunchtime or who again, that were just the most visible. And as we move to a more remote and hybrid world, trying to get that equality and fairness across the organization is going to be a huge challenge for almost every organization. Yeah, yeah. We're on the same page. And and for us, the people, like the employees or the team members are the most important assets of ADA. That's why, and again, like we, we feel like in the next six months and 12 months, things continue to change. So for us, we have to listen to our employees' feedback you know, looking at some, you know, leading and lack indicator, including employee NPS, our ability to achieve our goal and constantly change our policy at the best interest of how we can, you know, make people life, you know, better. And then as a result, we see better business results. So we, we are learning on the go as well. I think everyone else also learning on the go because the world keeps changing because of the pandemic. So we're on the same page and we're not going to, you know, we commit to a strategy, but we also commit to actually constantly learning and improving the strategy as we see fit. And Long, one other thing that, of course, is a, one other topic that is very top of mind at the moment is around as you're building your team, not only having them engaged and, and making sure that there's equality once they're in the team, but is actually hiring in a, in a diverse way to make sure that you're building diverse teams because your customer base is a diverse customer base and you want to mirror that. One thing we heard from other other finance leaders when they were talking about their organization growing is they actually felt that the fact that they were a distributed team, it helped them actually access different talent pools and therefore, in many ways, helped them build more diverse teams. Is that something that you have noticed at Ada as you've been building your team, not just within finance, but across the entire company? Because, of course, it's a top issue for every executive team in, in scaling companies. So the short answer is yes. At Ada and especially my team, we, we you know we, we take diversity inclusion very seriously. So we build in you know part of our interviewing process with all these considerations in mind to make sure you know we provide equal opportunity to everyone regardless of their location, their their background. And fortunately, we have a very diverse finance team here at Ada, where I could probably say majority majority of us are actually come from different background. Like you know, I love to share a picture of my team on a Zoom call with you. We actually have team members original came from five different continents around the world. Like we have people literally come from five different continents. It's pretty amazing to see, you know, and especially during social event where we learn about each of us, like, hey, where did you come from? What was your experience? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite activity with your friend and family? We learn from each other. And then now we actually can travel to different places of the world where we actually have team members welcome at a different place of the world. So it's really amazing to have a diverse team and I think that actually our strength, having a diverse opinion and diverse team allow us to make better decisions and research show that. So encourage other companies to do so as well in terms of, hey, let's open up the opportunity for everyone to join the company and treat everybody equally. I couldn't agree more. It's obviously a challenge for every company and there's so much work to do. But I think that in some ways, this move towards distributed working is creating opportunities that many of us didn't expect. Along as you're um, 
we're hopefully on the on the far end of a pandemic and, and COVID is subsiding, not everywhere, but in many places across the world. That it's always interesting as we're as we can now look backwards to understand the journey that finance leaders and companies had going through that. Can you talk a little bit about your experience of navigating COVID with Ada? Because, of course, you you closed your Series B before the pandemic. You just recently closed your Series C, which was hugely successful. And that was off of the back of a of incredible growth. And in the pandemic, many companies, they basically had to choose whether to survive or for some, they were able to thrive. And you, Ada, fell into the latter where you were able to thrive. Can you uh, talk through that journey and what that was like? Then no easy road. We all have to go through a bumpy road at the beginning of the pandemic to actually learn and adapt to the new normal. For me, as a finance leader, it's my job to actually map out different scenarios for the company at any given point in time. So at the beginning of the pandemic, what I did is we map out three different scenarios. Hey, if we continue to perform at this rate, this is how we will treat hiring and spending differently. If there are some lacking or leading indicator in terms of, hey, you know, we doesn't see without sale performance, we don't have enough pipeline, don't have enough meeting, what will we do if that is the case? And you know, of course, or we have a best case scenario is hey, if COVID actually become an accelerator for us, what will we actually do? Should we accelerate more in terms of growth? Should we actually invest more in team so that we can go faster and capture the market opportunity? So we constantly have to revise our assumption and our model and our scenario. You know, really on a monthly basis, when COVID hit, we have a monthly planning cadence where we review all the metrics on a monthly or even semi-monthly basis in, in order to make better decisions and, and in order for us to understand are we operating in which scenario and then make changes accordingly. And then as we now realize, you know, COVID become an accelerator for our business, we actually operating on scenario number one where we now make decision on accelerating growth by you know further investing more on R&D or engineering product team and then strengthen now our go-to-market team, including double down now our partnership ecosystem in service of growth. So what I've learned is always have multiple scenarios for the business, monitor it closely, and then advise the team as a finance leader, always to be ahead of what potentially may happen and factor them into our model so that we all will be in a proactive position instead of a reactive situation where we have now to react because of some negative change that probably that we didn't you know think about our model now was there a point at which you started to change i'm sure the initial focused on cost control and discipline to actually let's invest now because there's a huge opportunity when the pandemic hit there are period of time really in march and april where the whole world stopped no one at the time, you know, buy anything. No one even unlock any budgets. The procurement team transitioned from work from an office to work remotely. And many of these procurement team doesn't know what the best setup for them. And they still need to navigate through how to buy software during the pandemic. So for us, at that point in time, we actually have to navigate through and operate in our worst case scenario, which means we may not have any revenue or we may actually not be able to scale this company within the next couple of months. So we made a decision at the team and it's a really hard decision to actually lay off a 20% of our employee at the time proactively in service of how can we make you know with the focus on how we can actually strengthen the runway and then making sure this business will last in the long run so that we need to sacrifice really you know make that conscious decision but quickly after after a couple of months now we really rely the world actually see the, the value of ADA and then we see our business keep growing up now, from that point in time, now we more than double the size of the team and we hire anyone that we could. 
during that period of time, that is where we shift from, hey, running on emergency mode into, you know, normal business operation and into the best case scenario. So that's why when I mentioned it's bumpy road, we have to make decisions at that point in time at the best interest of the company to learn about how we can make this a longer term business. And then after that, we actually scale up and then bring people back. So from that point in time, I think we went to 100 employees from 120, and now we are 350 people company. So you can see the change really, you know, depend on, on the situation and on the indication and business signal we get from the market. And it's fascinating here, you talk about the early days of the pandemic and, and the change that you saw within Soldo, we saw the exact same thing because by the nature of our, our product, it's a spend management platform. So you have some visibility or almost like a microcosm of, of the macroeconomic situation because you see company spending going up, going down, changing, of course, around. And there, there was just a huge contraction. And at the time, nobody knew whether it was going to zero or, or what was happening. What is interesting in listening to what you say is that there was clearly a shift, a shift in momentum, a shift in people's attitudes from late April going into May. And as you said, in many cases, it led to a huge unlocking of trends and behavior that many of us didn't expect. And, and it sounds as if Ada actually was fortunate enough to ride one of those waves of activity. What the whole world learned throughout the pandemic is enterprise software is really recession proof at this point in time where, you know, regardless of what's changing, now we allow people to work remotely. We allow, you know, people in business and brand to interact, you know, digitally. So that is something very powerful. And I feel like that thing will actually continue to last. And then that's a new behavior and opportunity for people to interact with brand and with each other, even after the pandemic, when we go back to normal life, because many people in the past wouldn't open you know, enough to actually try, hey, how about interacting with a virtual assistant? Everybody prefer to you know, have a you know, human first approach, talk to a human, but now, hey, this actually not that bad. This experience is really great. I can get my answer right away. I can actually, you know, get like what I need with the brand right away. Then why would I, you know, need to, to spend three, four hours on the call to talk to someone? So I just feel like on this smaller thing with triggering and then the whole digital transformation will start continue to, you know, happen across enterprises and across multiple generation of, of people. You mentioned recession proof, but you can see that nature of the confidence in enterprise software, SaaS, B2B software in the valuations and in the funding, of which, of course, Ada was you know, one example. But it's an incredible mark out there of scaling companies right now. Yeah, I think you nailed it. The investors are extremely bullish in B2B SaaS company right now. A lot of amazing public company recently. I think the amount of VC funding into software I actually tripled this year versus last year. So there are a lot of positive signal and there's a lot of resource pouring into the ecosystem to actually build great, amazing companies in service of allowing us to you know, interact digitally and work digitally in the future. Long, I'd like to finish up by asking perhaps your advice on others who would like to emulate you in, in leading and, and building up a, a finance function, in your case from scratch, but whether they're going into larger organizations as well, what advice would you have to other CFOs or aspiring CFOs on how to succeed in the role? For me, again, I'm very early in my career and I was seek to learn more from other people as well. But what I've learned so far is actually two things. Number one, think long-term. Whenever we get into a role, let always think what the company needs in two years from now and build a team and system and processes and people in service of bringing the company into a point where like anything we build and, and do today need to at least last for the next two years for the company 
upward thinking short term and building things just to you know solve a, a point in time problem. But it, as long as we build things with long term thinking in mind, allow the company to scale and ourselves to success in the long run. And the second one is always seek advice and learning from people who have done that in before. So for me, I was very fortunate to have my mentors and coaches who are you know successful CFO from public company. And I, I, you know, I have monthly call with them. I bug them all the time just to learn more. And then seek advice from people who have done that before. I feel like that's a shortcut uh, for us to actually learn and improve in our role. And I think that's very, very sound advice to finish on. You're, you're yet another leader who we've spoken to who emphasizes the importance of mentorship and coaching. So I think that our listeners, again, can take that to heart. Long, thank you so much for your time today. There's been some incredible insights and stories of, of your experience so far at Building Ada. If our listeners would like to go and connect with you online, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, please feel free to share my LinkedIn profile with the audience and happy to uh, you know connect with everyone and, and share my experience as well, to learn from their experience as well. So I will share my personal email and LinkedIn profile with you and feel free to you know share with the audience. Great. Long, thank you very much for joining us today. One last thing, if you have a question you'd love to ask a guest, visit cfoplaybook.fm and submit your question there. This show is brought to you by Soldo, the brighter way to manage business spending and expenses. With Soldo, you can control every expense, track spend in real time, automate financial reporting, and then use those insights to fuel growth. Learn more at soldo.com.